Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at P. Howdy on Twitter. This is, in fact, a member of the DLF family of podcasts. This is part two of my episode or my interview with Jacob Rickroad at Clutch Fantasy on Twitter. Um, hope you enjoyed part one. If you haven't listened to it, that's fine. You don't have to be linear or, you know, anything, really. But uh, yeah, there is a part one out there just in case you missed it. And we just start right back off where me and Jacob are arguing, talking. I'm being owned about um, the connection between quarterback scoring and high-level wide receiver production, um, whether you need a good quarterback, essentially, to be a high-level producer, or if it's more about the player. All right, hope you enjoy. Thanks. Um, it occurs to me, though, that the only quarterback I can name that has had two top 12 wide receivers, outside of Peyton Manning, who probably did it, is Jameis Winston. Back to your early Kurt point. Warner. Like Kurt Warner, there is a, right? sorry, I thought there was more. Um, okay, Kurt Warner, but that's neither Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, not someone we consider the pinnacle of the position, although a very good quarterback. And what I'm pushing towards here is having two top 24 wide receivers often limits the ceiling of the highest ranked top 24 wide receiver. Like that's a thing too. Like you're not going to get the wide receiver one on a depth shot that has two top 24 wide receivers. The distribution is always just going to be too much to create that kind of value for both. That makes sense. Yes. You can't. I mean, a lesser example would be OBJ and Landry. They're both elite tier players, in my opinion. Still, they didn't forget to have forget how to play football. Even though some people, like you pointed out, seem to think that they have. Um, but they limit each other. They did it in college. Like I have no exact numbers, but it's just. It's not just something that makes logical sense. Every time we've seen it, we also see it happen. So like OBJ and Landry not being top 12 wide receivers is more acceptable because they're on the same depth chart. Now, Landry and Chris Godwin is a weird one because they're both top 12, if I remember right. But you've got, again, a remarkably efficient season from Chris Godwin in order to make it happen. And I think that's something he's doing more than the quarterback as well and not something that we can say is repeatable no matter what quarterback you have. Well, actually, let me just ask this in a fucking as dumb as I am way. Does Chris Godwin and Mike Evans both end up in the top 12 again for you? I have this no year. idea. Yeah, I would I, I would say no because it's less likely, but do you think it's likely at all? I give a very good shot. Um, I mean, it gets a little Ooh. muddled because you also have Gronk in there who's going to get some touchdowns, right? Um, right. But... You know, I'm not straying from. I'm, I'm not. I'm not into Godwin typically, but I, I have no issues with Mike Evans. Um, I, I honestly don't think we've seen. He hasn't seen his best quarterback because his splits are actually better with um, Fitzpatrick than they were with Winston, if you can believe it, just slightly. 
Right, slightly. he's someone so, that's getting kind of like I fought against Mike Evans for so long early in his career because I saw the potential, but everyone kept drafting him like he was constantly giving us top twelve seasons when in fact he gave us one in four years. But over the last three years, that changed. And suddenly the truth is I used to argue with because I was undervaluing Mike Evans are gone. So now there's been this weird thing where I'm higher on Mike Evans and the people who used to think he was better than I did in terms of what he gave you. So like, like I feel like I got it right twice and they're getting it wrong twice. Not to victory lap in front of Jacob Brickrod a little bit. Why not? Um, <laughs> but yeah, Mike Evans over the last three years, not the first four years, but has definitely proven is highly valuable and he's he's kind of getting the robinson landry treatment right now where everyone's kind of like bored i prefer chris godwin um and it's interesting because you're more right than i am more often than i am but like i would i would be remarkably surprised if you can keep up two top 12 wide receivers and i that's me agreeing with the talent of both of them i pulled up my list so um since 2000 these are the receivers that were top 12, okay, on the same team. Um, Tim Brown and Jerry Rice, remember that? Back in 2000 to, with Rich Gannon. Right, right. Um, Heinz Ward and Plaxico Burress, both of them very good receivers without each other. Um, okay. Eric Moulds and Peerless Price, Derek Mason and Drew Bennett. That's totally random. Uh, but Mason was a stud. Mason had like, he's on the list, he's like seven or eight top 24 seasons. Um, here's here's one, Ocho and Hushman Zada with Carson Palmer. So Carson Palmer shows up on that list several times. He had three years with Ocho and Hush where they were uh, top 24, and two of the three years, they both hit top 12. And then we got Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce, who was their quarterback for Warner. Um, Harrison mm-hmm. Wayne, you know who that, that quarterback is. Donald Driver and Javon Walker was, I think, with – Far, not even um, Rogers. So that's before Rogers' time. Fitz and Bolden again with Warner. So Warner had two different wide receiver sets that finished top twelve. Pretty good quarterback. Yeah, I bet you. Moss and Welker got with Brady. Um, Moss and Welker with Brady, which was that was the two thousand seven year. Um, White and Julio. So Matt Ryan had Roddy White and Julio, which is pretty reminiscent of you know aging Julio. And Calvin Ridley. And I think that's why people are so on Ridley. And I, I support it because I think that, that the volume's there and Matt Ryan could do it. You know, both of those guys could be top 12. Um, then we got Hakeem Nix and Victor Cruz with um, Eli Manning in that one of those years that I think it's 2011 when we went to the, to the um, Super Bowl and Victor Cruz was just lights out. He had 1,500 yards. Like, honestly, that season was more magical than any LBJ put up. Um, and then you got DT and Decker. With Manning for a couple of years, they did that, and then DT and Sanders. So Peyton's on here three times. He supported two top twelve wide receivers. Well, my table now, now is made in haste, so I can't vouch for the accuracy. But I've got him five times since two thousand. Uh, so yeah, I can see what you're saying, and and it's remarkably consistent when the good wide receivers match up with a good quarterback. Like Peyton Manning did it uh, twice in three years between two thousand four and two thousand six, and then three times in a row between 2012 and 2014. And we know the wide receivers on that team. So, yeah, I see what you're saying, but there's like a couple of quarterbacks and outside of Peyton Manning, like 
I don't think Kurt Warner was better is better than Drew Brees as a quarterback. No, I don't think so either. But he's he was awesome. I mean, he really was. Like you know what I mean? He was on the Rams. He was throwing forty touchdowns when no one was throwing twenty five. You know? Yeah, I, I I don't think not. Like just to be clear, not being as good as Drew Brees is as far away from shade as you can get. Like, yeah, <laughs> I've got a big Warner man crush was, on Drew Brees. Warner was left for dead. He really yeah. was. Like he went to the Giants and they and everybody thought he was dust. And then at like age thirty seven he put up with this monster year. Now granted he had fits to Bolden, but it's one of the reasons why I, I, I like Rogers because we've seen guys like take years off and then have this total resurgence in their late thirties. And Favre did it. Favre put up one of his best years of his career at age forty on a run first team where his number one receiver was Sidney Rice. Like, how does that happen? I, I don't know, right. but like, I think Aaron Rodgers could totally have that bounce back year. Does he have the horses to do it? Yeah, maybe not, but Devontae Adams is pretty good, and he could have like a tertiary guy like um, Jay Sternberger have eight to ten touchdowns, or you know, maybe I it's really MVS. Think, I really like, think MVS has shown out to be the best other receiver on that team so far. I totally like, I don't agree. get. I there's got to be a split payout there. Yeah, there's yeah. got to be a split take out there that's valuing Lazard over him. I don't know what it is. I'm guessing towards the end of the season he took over or something. I didn't pay close enough attention by that point. But, like, MVS won out in all every stat I can find. Um, like, 11 to 10% target market share. But Lazard only played 10 games, to be fair. But he beat him out in yards per team pass attempt. He beat him out in Whopper. I think there were basically... Uh, he beat him out in air yards as well. Um, but... Yeah, MVS is really free, and I don't mind that flyer. It's it, like what I said before. I don't mind taking the flyer, but it's where good quarterback vaults up a wide receiver who hasn't shown much themselves above too high. Let's just say too high. Yeah. Well, and, I, the, the, the 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 premier example of that is Devontae Adams, who was like god awful his first two years. Go look at his stats. I think I, I posted it with Corey Davis actually. Like Corey Davis' stats look. Very similar. Yes, too. yeah, you made that comparison. It made me happy. Um, because <laughs> Devontae Adams was also like a solid sterling silver draft prospect through production metrics and then struggled his first two years. And that's kind of what Corey Davis has done. I, I, you know, there's a lot of context in Corey Davis's situation right now, but it did make me feel better to hear one last positive thing about Corey Davis, probably. I um, I am all on Corey Davis this year because he's so cheap in drafts and he is the wide receiver too there. And I, I'm, this is going to, I shouldn't even be admitting this, but I'm in full fade of AJ Brown because I don't think I the targets are there. And I, I really think Corey Davis is going to bite into his target load because he's, he's not a bad receiver. We saw it in year four, 2018. That's why everybody was on him in 2019 because he was, he put up a decent year. He was top 30 in 2018. So I think he comes bouncing back and kind of bites into A.J. Brown, and A.J. Brown's not going to live up to his ADP. Is he like wide receiver 15, 16 think, right now? I, th I think he's top 12. Um, Corey Davis had a top – he was 25th in PPR rank at the end of that season. I don't know because I memorized his stats <laughs> all the way up to that third year, and I really do that. But I really wanted that to happen. I do have to pay respect. Like if, you, if you're listening to this and you're just playing in a dynasty league, don't be worried about AJ Brown. Like doing that at that age in your rookie season with a change at court, like that's phenomenal. That guy's got talent. 
I just worry, like what Jacob's saying, is repeating that level of efficiency without really being able to project higher passing attempts, it's hard to, like, that's why it's so impressive. It's really hard to do that. And, and so I kind of agree with the difficulty in him repeating that. Like, don't, even if he didn't, you shouldn't devalue AJ Brown. <laughs> but um, it, if you're just looking at the 2020 season, I get the concern. And Corey Davis is so free. I haven't had to go in on Corey Davis. I just had to reject really bad trade offers for him because he's on my teams. Pretty much guaranteed on my team if you're in my league. I, I'm with um, you, I, Everything you said is spot on because A.J. Brown's one of 20 rookie wide receivers to break top 24. Only 20. It's really mm -hmm. rare for a rookie wide receiver it, to do what he did. And he did it on the least amount of targets of any of them. So, and hat tip. I will defend my hit rate to the debt. Not really because I give a fuck about my hit rate. But... I will point out, I was never low on A.J. Brown, but I was never high. To me, that's a miss. A guy that can do that in his first year, if you don't identify that guy as a strong go-get-him, then the, then there wasn't, then that's just an extra signal that college stats don't give us enough to judge. Like, I, so, I, I consider that a strong miss. I, I'm more worried about missing on A.J. Brown than I ever am missing on Nikhil Harry or Corey Davis. I get that sometimes trading going to the nfl is harder but i'm really so upset when a player like michael thomas or aj brown come along and i had no idea i had no idea they were that good that's more worrying and i yeah let's get to it because i want i, I will let's get I something that people can use out <laughs> like so who are we meant to be targeting here mr rick road juju had one of those years he was amazing yeah. as a rookie and then his second year, he was top 12. So he's on my list. That, and I didn't finish this list, but Antonio Brown and Juju both finished top 12. Mm -hmm. So, and that was not that, that was only two years ago. So it, it still happens when you have two elite wide receivers. Um, Thielen and Diggs did it a couple of years ago. And Thielen. Michael Thomas and Cooks did it <laughs> as well. And, and Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams did it. And no one saw Adams coming that year because Adams nope. was like, left for dead after his first two years. So you see the correlation I'm making here, though, off of all of these. I mean, you got Kirk Cousins in there with Thielen and Diggs, but he's still a very good quarterback. I wouldn't consider him bad. Something so that I was thinking. Need like a, there's, there's like a base-level quarterback. I mean, you and I have argued about this before, like Eli Manning level to, to do it, right? You know, to have right. support a top to your guy? And yeah. I, I don't know how to say Andy that, Dalton right? prime meridian. You know, you need an Andy Dalton. You need a Derek Carr. That's fine. And right. um, I do think that Josh Allen is a bridge too far. And I, I don't, it's so painful to sound like you're hating on a player who's done something amazing. Like, he was amazing last year, but he was amazing at rushing the ball, not passing the ball. And that's below the Andy Dalton line for me. But I get it. I, I can get things wrong. A lot, actually. But I, I was thinking of this, like all the exciting things I want to talk to Jacob Rick wrote about while fangirling around town. I keep thinking about writing a, a wide receiver targets article, but I get dis, I disillusioned every time I try and write it for the 2020 season because it feels like so obvious. And I just listened to Jacob, um, not Jacob Rick wrote, that's you, uh, JJ Zacharyson's latest podcast where he's literally doing that. And like, yeah, that's that. those are all the names apart from one that I'd mention. And you mentioned Juju, and that seems so obvious to me that it reminds me of it. So, like, let me know if I'm missing any here. But the ones that jump, just no research, just that seem plainly obvious. One is Juju, Alan Robinson, 
Jarvis Landry seemed painfully obvious. Marcus Brown seems painfully obviously undervalued right now. Cortland Sutton seems like everyone forgot how to play fantasy football the way they're valuing him. Below the AJ Brown, DJ Moore tier doesn't make sense for a Cortland Sutton. And who else jumps off the page for me? OBJ. And I get that this is a weird season and people are off him, but I have no idea why you'd undervalue that guy in this year, this career age, having finally gotten into an offense after having to learn a new offense, like this, it doesn't make sense to me. Any reason you, you would expect anything less than a really good wide receiver in that situation? Am I missing any? Probably a few, but those are the ones that jump off the top of my head. Um, are there any extra that you think are? I think I named basically all the wide receivers you've already named, and I didn't even realize I yeah. was doing it. I mean, OBJ is 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 going to have, you know, another top twelve season. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, he's like I just looked up his it. ADP. He's going around 11-12 in drafts. Um, Juju's going 13. So people aren't sleeping on them. Adam Thielen's a guy. He's three years old. Ooh, that's a good one. I think. Yeah. I think he's he could easily have 100 catches, and and he would be, you know, a lock for top 12 if he did that. Um, and this is a guy that he's already done it twice. He's already had two top 20 top 12 seasons. The odds of him doing it again are pretty high. Um, it just strikes me when some. Sometimes he can say things so plainly and it seems too obvious. Like, listen, think about all the hard work and the stress you put on the, the rookie evaluation. Which guy is good? Oh, my God, I got this one wrong, this one right. And then you've got all these guys that we definitely know are good who you're like, meh. Like, what are you doing? We spent, we spent so much time trying to figure out which ones are going to be good. You're going to ignore the ones that definitely are. Anyway, one that I'm confused about and I'm surprised I managed to remember to come back to this, is DK and Lockett. Like, I'm a big Tyler Lockett fan. He's because I hold on to my rookie evaluations too long, and he was, like, amazing as far as my college evaluation goes. But DK Metcalf, again, had a great rookie season. He's done it young. Physically, he's what you want. He's what we all dream of. Um, And you're on the Team Lockett side, so... Could you talk to me about those two players and why you prefer Lockett? And don't mean like not because one's drafted below each other, but like genuinely, do you think Lockett's the one that gets more points? That's what we care about. Yeah, I, I just he's he's the reception guy. DK is the big K or the big play guy. He's going to get the touchdowns, but Lockett, I mean, he he's been so efficient. I mean, incredible. I tweeted a stat out about Lockett. If you look at his last 180 targets. Um, and you compare him to Michael Thomas and um, Julio Jones, Lockett crushes them. So over the yeah. last 180 targets, he's had 139 receptions, 2,000 yards, and 18 touchdowns. It's <laughs> unbelievable, right? Julio's had 118, 1,600 yards, and 9 touchdowns. Michael Thomas has 149 receptions, 1,700 yards, and 9 touchdowns. So Lockett put up more yards, more touchdowns, almost as many receptions. He's that good. And so why would you stray from that? I, I think he's going to end up leading the team in receptions because he's going to be the chain mover for um, Russell Wilson. And if they actually unleash Russell Wilson and let him throw, they both could be top 24. There's no doubt about it. But I still think that Lockett is going to have more receptions and end up scoring more because of that. Something I want to merge into this because I've got no idea how to do it. So I'm asking you. Um, Adam Harmstead, another guy who's by far better and smarter at this than me, he was on the Fantasy Points podcast recently talking with, I think, Scott Barrett. 
And one of his main I, main points, which I really appreciated because I have this tendency, is to assume coaches are stupid and doing it wrong and they should be doing it the way I want them to do it. And that's got to be fictitious. Most coaches in the NFL aren't nearly as stupid or bad as this as we like to pretend. And he was pointing out how most usage it actually turns out to be correct, despite how much shade we throw at them. And what immediately occurred to me when I was thinking about that is I've been, and everyone's been desperate for Seattle to throw more since Russell Wilson was born, as far as I can figure. But throwing in Adam Hardenstead's point, the low, the high rushing and the low passing could easily be because we don't know something they do. Um, so that to me means it's probably pie in the sky to expect them to pass more. But what do you think about that situation? I literally don't have a good question here. I'm just trying I, to merge this fact no, that I, I shouldn't mean, underrate coaches with the fact that I desperately think they all, that Lockett's been amazing. Surely if you throw more, it'll get better. And DK Metcalf was great. But on that passing volume, I, like, ugh. So what? What's going on there? What do I, I do mean, we that? have, he's been playing for eight years and, and nothing's changed, right? I think he's exactly. Been, You've been 30th or 31st in pass attempts like five of the eight years. So, and is that going to change? Probably not, but he's really efficient. Should it change? And Maybe that's my question. Do you it, think it, it should? should um, but if you okay. look at what Doug Baldwin did, he was amazing for two, three years yeah. in there. And Lockett has literally taken that spot. And I think that's going to continue. So even if, if they don't change the offense and they're still running it like they are, and, and I would encourage anybody to listen to that podcast with Adam Hartstead and Scott Barrett. There was two of them. It was called Running Backs Don't Matter. Right. And they, they basically bunk it, which I, I love with the whole other podcast. We could talk about that. But um, Hartstead <laughs> right. is, is really sharp. And that podcast was, was great. So, yeah, I, I think that's one thing that a lot of fantasy players, they they think of how things should be, but mm -hmm. they don't realize that coaches do have that insight, right? For years, everybody was like, give Lamar Miller more more carries, give him more carries. Well, he, <laughs> right, right. he wasn't that good, you know? And we, we've seen that numerous times where you have multiple coordinators not giving a guy ball. Um, maybe they just don't have it, you know? There's people out there that think Tony Pollard is better than Ezekiel Elliott. There's no way, like, that t Tony Pollard is going to be able to be Ezekiel Elliott. I love Tony Pollard, and I think you actually tried to trade for him recently yes, from I me. Did. And I didn't find it. I but <laughs> there's a reason a lot of these guys are backups because you know they're not as good and Hartson actually got into that you know and um for, for running back specifically on how you know, backups will have higher yards per carry but you can't yeah right compare it to to the, the volume that the, the starter's getting it's not apples to apples you know so to, to answer your question i don't know if russell wilson's going to really be unleashed but I'm still smashing Lockett because I think he's just going to be just like Doug Baldwin. And there was one of the years of Doug Baldwin, he had 14 touchdowns like in the last eight games. He was unstoppable. Um, I don't know if you remember that. He, it, it was just an incredible season. And I faded him the following year thinking there's no way he can match that. But he actually got more receptions that, mm -hmm. that following year. And so he ended up scoring pretty close to the same. And I feel like Lockett's that same guy. And I, I I would be surprised if Lockett didn't have 80 to 90 catches this year. I think it's pretty much a Brandon Cook's take without the risk, without the concussion concern. Like, Tyler Lockett's just going to be good. And all he has to do is do exactly what he's done, which is phenomenal. But because he has to be efficient on that passing offense. But he keeps doing it. And if he just does what he's been doing, he's going to be an amazing draft value. He doesn't have to beat it, but he could. 
beat it and be even more valuable. But either way, his ADP is kind of just a gift. And can we talk about 2011? Um, I've tweeted about this. 2011. We can try. It's the closest thing to a lockout. You know where I'm going with this? Yeah. So in 2011, there was a lockout from the NFL, and they literally did not have any training camp, nothing until the end of July. And that year was crazy for passing. There was like five mm-hmm. quarterbacks that threw for over 4,900 yards. It was just a wild, wild year. Um, and it's really the closest thing we have to what's going on right now with COVID. So I think there's a very good chance that we see similar theatrics to where these defenses aren't getting time together. They're, they're not able to talk and communicate and, you know, gel. We could see passing go nuts over the first half of the season as a result and be very similar to that 2011 season. Yeah, actually, you bastard. You just bled me off Zero RB, and then we talked about the the mother of all podcasts explaining why Zero RB is bad. And now you're putting me back onto my... I was desperately saying, could I please maybe still believe in wide receivers earlier? And now we're back. Now, apparently, I think the takes on the 2020 season, I think 2011 is a great... It's the only example we have to go back to. And it was a great passing year. And it was a good rookie year, frankly, because that's the other take I've heard about 2020, that rookies will suffer. But 2011 was fine after missing the preseason and after missing all that practice in terms of younger players producing with less practice. What yeah, strikes me though... and Julio were both great. They both had top mm-hmm. 24 that year. So exactly. Cam Newton, Cam Newton had one of his best years ever. In fact, the only time he threw for 400 yards was in his rookie year and he did it twice. And it was in the first two weeks of the season. And if I bleed that into just some observations that I don't think are being made, I think this hurts the running game. A little bit more and it sounds like i'm arguing for zero rb but we you know you just convinced me not to do that so i'm really tilted and um, but the defense has as much problems maybe more it's there's a dfs take that i thought was really smart because it's an observation that everyone could make but very few do which is that in bad weather games the the cornerback has to run backwards in the mud so we normally think about it being bad for the passing game because the wide receiver is going to have a harder time, but the cornerback is also having a harder time. And it's a really, I thought it was a really good observation. And I think similar with COVID, the defense, like you were just saying, they're not communicating, they're not practicing. That, and the defense has to operate as more of a unit than the passing game does. You need more coordination. And the other thing that strikes me is the O-line needs a lot of coordination. There needs to be chemistry. There needs to be practice. If one guy gets injured on the O-line, you have an entire unit, which affects the running game a lot more severely with a, with a single player going on the COVID list than anything that can happen between the smaller number of players involved in a pass play. Obviously, all players are involved on every play, but the wide receiver offers a, operates a lot more independently. And for that reason, I think there's a lot less risk to the passing game than the running game with what we think the 2020 season is going to look like. But again, you just convinced me not to value wide receivers. So what are you doing to me here, Jacob? So <laughs> like... I, I look at the running backs that year, and there were some really good running backs in 2011. Um, Ray Rice had 373 points. Um, LaShawn McCoy had 330. MJD had 307. Arian Foster. It was a good year for offense, really. You know, at all positions. It was an exciting year. Gronkowski and Graham had their two best years of their career. 
you know, Rob Gronkowski's seven touch, 17 touchdown year was that year. He never sniffed that again. In fact, he never broke 300 points PPR after that year. Jimmy Graham did it twice. Um, Wes Walker had a lights out. Yeah. Wes Walker <laughs> had 122 receptions and 1,573 yards. It was his best season of his career. And Calvin Johnson had his uh, monster year, too. He had um, like 1,700 yards, 96 catches. Just ridiculous, right? And then that was right. also the Victor Cruz year that we talked about earlier. Victor Cruz had like a ton of like 90-yard catches that year. He had 1,500-plus yards. He just went nuts. So you just talked about the defense struggling. I think we could see that this year. So where It's so important for those, those cornerbacks to communicate that we could see a lot of broken plays happening. And um, it, it should be a lot of fun, man, for, for offense, for sure. Um, I, I know Drew Brees had a lights out. That was his big year at quarterback. I think he, that was the year he had 5,400 yards and 46 mm-hmm. touchdowns. Um, Rodgers had 45 touchdowns. Brady had 39. Um, Cam, or Matt Stafford had his best year, 41 touchdowns. It's unbelievable. So if we're headed that, I think all positions are going to be good. And I don't want to just look. I, zero running back works. It, it definitely does. But I, <laughs> I was I, exaggerating. I, just, I, I, think been, I think I've like ruined it for myself because I've had so many years where it just I needed more time for it to work. In best ball, it, it works awesome. I've used it in best ball. I've won several best ball leagues with zero running back. But in head-to-head league, it's a little bit harder. Especially if you have a short season, we might only have it. We might have a short season. That's possible too. So with Scott Fishbowl, one of the reasons I went heavy running back, not just because of the scoring, but I thought there was a pretty good chance that this season wouldn't go as long as it normally does, and you might not have a chance for those, you know, backup running backs to actually see the field because, right, you know, they, the running backs weren't going to get hurt on a shortened season. So. I don't know what's going to happen, but I love the possibility that we could see in 2011, and that's why I'm going hard on Kittle. I, I really want to have George Kittle everywhere because I think the season's lined up for him to just go bonkers. And if he does, especially in tight end premium, you know, he could have a Rob Gronkowski type year. Gronk had 330 points that year in regular PPR. He had like 380 in, in a tight end premium. Right. So could we see that this year? I don't know. All right, let's try into tight end. I don't mind. Um, <laughs> why are people? Why do people insist that the tight end position works differently than it does? Like, we we desperate for running back and wide receiver to repeat at the rate that tight end production does. But every year, I have to defend against hating Tyler Higby this year. I guess, and who else is in there? <laughs> Hayden Hurst. Like, yeah. if if a breakout tight end list doesn't start. For this year with Fant and Hawkinson did stop reading that like I hate throwing shade at people but you should stop reading that content like there's no reason not to have them at the top of the these guys might this might be the year they rise because they've got everything going for them and Hurst and Higby content have splits that have never worked it has never predicted the tight end that you want to suddenly jump it's never happened not once you want the guys who have done it before and the athletic guys in good situations, most of the time with good draft capital. That's the list. That's basically it. So Jack Doyle is a better sleeper at tight end, as far as I can tell, 
than pretty much any Tyler Higby and Hayden Hurst take that's ever been made. It drives me freaking crazy because it's I it's, love it. It's easier than the other positions, and you're making it harder. <laughs> and I like I've got enough stuff to work on. I don't want to have to keep going back to this. And like Austin Hooper isn't good now. Like what? Like Jimmy Graham moves from the Saints and the Saints don't have a good tight end anymore and stupid people still don't get it. He goes to the Seahawks and they have the most relevant tight end they've ever had. Then he leaves and they don't anymore and people still don't get it and don't with Will Disley me, okay? Like I think he's just a little bit better than what they've had before Jimmy Graham. And I get that Jimmy Graham is no longer the argument because he's on he's he's not what he finally he's not what he was. But the pattern of tight end production is very, very clearly if you have a good tight end, you have a good tight end. Like you can't look for splits. You can't look for quarterback. You can't look for team situation or vacated targets. You need them to be Austin who or Andrew Luck. That's the Jack Doyle thing. Like Andrew Luck and the Colts. Sure. I'll agree. There was a connection there with tight end use, but outside of that, I'm calling bullshit. So rivers loves tight ends. Maybe, maybe, but like Hunter Henry was had all those things going for him, and and Antonio Peters is before your time, but Gates didn't. River, but, Rivers yeah. is not on list. He never had two top twenty-four wide receivers, and you, do you know why? Because he had Antonio Gates. Yeah, yeah, so I remember before, Antonio Gates. He played before, basketball, don't you know? Or <laughs> Kelsey Hill. It was it was Tony Gonzalez. It was Antonio Gates. It was Jason Witten. It was. Those guys just dominated for years, right? And then Gronk and Graham came in, and they dominated. You know, Greg Olson sprinkled in there a little bit. And then now we have Kittle and Kelsey. Kelsey's been number one or number two how many times recently, right? And he'll probably still do it a couple more times. And then Kittle's going to be in there. It's always been top-heavy. And you just throw darts at the, you know, trying to find this year's um, Waller. You know, Darren, who, who is it? I, I don't know. I like Gusecki. I think he's a talented guy and he's in an offense where he can get the targets. Um, I know you're a, a Preston Williams fan, but you I know am. he's coming off of uh, he's coming off of injury and he uh, you know he's an undrafted guy. So my bet is on Gusecki to be the number two. Look, guy I get it with Gusecki though. He had a top twelve season last year. He's got the draft capital. He has the athleticism, even if it doesn't show up on the field in his NFL speed stats. You know, the same testing we use to prove what is athletic. It fits Gusecki in his shorts at the combine, so it's fine. Um, but I don't get like pushing players above Waller. Austin Hooper, even Evan Ingram is sliding a little bit to some of these ne- probably never going to happen takes. Like, oh, that's probably because all the injury guys, you know, he's going to get hurt. So, yeah, but Evan Ingram isn't hopefully Jordan Reed. Although I just heard Jordan Reed signed to the 49ers, which is just beautiful, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, it's it's um, a non new story. I don't think it's worthy. Um, yeah, fine. He, ha- he hasn't had a full season ever, like, ever. And he's 30 years old, and he's got, like, seven concussions. I, I would draft Jordan Reed over, over Hayden Hurst. <laughs> and those <laughs> other guys. And what was the other guy? Tyler Higby at their ADPs, yeah. most definitely. Um, but, yeah. I like happen. Evan Ingram a lot, man. Evan Ingram could lead his team in targets and reception, potentially, or be number two. I mean, some of those guys, you Waller. What Darren Waller did was pretty amazing. You know how many times? It's very amazing. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm in. I'm Waller. I'm still buying him. 
But from my experience, like, and I own a lot of Jimmy Graham and Gronk on Dynasty teams, and I now I own Kelsey a lot because they they just they stay there, you know, and and they yeah, do they it into their mid thirty. Tony Gonzalez was great till he was thirty seven years old, you know. So I do. Yeah, tight ends last longer. That's the other thing. We want to fade them at the same way rate we fade wide receivers, which you shouldn't do anyway. But the, the age curve's even longer. But um, I'm not getting on this rant again, damn it. Um, <laughs> I do think there's a very there's a decent separation between Kittle and tight end two, which is Kelsey for me. Um, I, I do think you're right to highlight Kittle there. He could definitely be of the position. I think Kittle is the one that can clearly be one of those difference makers at the position you know he's the one who fits the gronk graham kind of tier yeah. i don't think no, i see anyone else in that tier you know or it's, it's right, they're doing it to Ertz too Ertz is bad now yeah. too i really want higby what do you <laughs> Sorry, man, it's a thing it doesn't have to be hard fantasy doesn't have to you know like especially at the tight end position like it's every year who was it last year i was defending against um it's probably Pittsburgh T-E number. McDonald. It was. It was Vance McDonald. I was defending Austin Hooper against Vance McDonald takes last year. But but my the whole point when I said tight end was, what do you think of Austin Hooper this year? <laughs> was actually where I wanted to go with that. I have him on a couple of dynasty teams, actually. So I'm hoping he does something. And I think he'll be probably touchdown or bust. You know, um, unless Landry misses some time. You know, which he might. Landry might miss the first six games of the season. So if that right. happens, he, he could be in play because um, his new coach actually likes tight ends. Um, how, how does the um, wide receiver tight end interplay? Like you've done more research with like teams that have top 24 wide receivers and tight ends. I really haven't been able to look at the way tight ends fit into that mix is there a concern with having good wide receivers opposite a tight end or is it a plus you just want the your tight end to be the, the first or the second most targeted player on the team um that's that's the secret right and if you look right. at that's Ertz, that's kelsey that's waller i mean waller led the team in targets and receptions last year um jared cook is probably the number three guy on the saints and he's decent because of it you know um he's got drew Brees, so I, I think that's the way to play but if you're looking for top five you want them to either lead the team or be second in targets and that's if you when you look at the top five they always have 100 targets right give or take even mark andrews had like 98 last year so you're either looking for touchdowns which is totally unpredictable or you're you're looking for targets so that's why i pick and so i typically go early tight end because it's so much easier to, to find those guys, right? Um, I, I did a dynasty startup last year, and my first two picks were Kelsey and Ertz, and I won the league. You know, it's tight end premium, and you know, when, when you have those guys, you just have an edge every week because, especially tight end premium. I don't know about that. Tight end premium doesn't make them more valuable. It just spreads out the distribution. Like, there's still not more valuable tight ends. If you're lucky enough to get two, uh, fine. Because you can start them every week if there's two spots and they create a bigger edge. But like you, I still think you should focus the running back or the wide receiver position, even in tight end oh, premium. Oh, I, I, I don't disagree. But in a startup draft, it's easier to get running backs later. Um, Fair enough. You know, yeah. I usually do zero running back, and, and unless I have an early pick in, in dynasty startups, 
that's a whole other podcast we could talk about that yeah, right but we've mentioned I, several I whole love, other podcasts i think <laughs> yeah i love i love having you know owning that onesie position and not having to worry about it you know and right. the tight end premium you know kelsey can put up 300 points that's as much as the top scoring running back so if you're just trying to score points which is what you should be doing you want those guys you know um last year kittle or kelsey had 305 points in in a tight end premium like that's amazing and i think that gives you an edge because in a head-to-head league you're tied into scoring sometimes five to ten points more than your opponent's tight end because you have the best i think so, it's one of those it, things though where you do have to draft your team you have to take a shot you have to make a bad move to get the right call is another way i think of it like overvaluing a wide receiver hasn't proven it yet, but if he does break out into being, you know, the number one wide receiver overall, then you have a significant edge there. It looked like a bad move, but it ends up being a good move. Um, and you have to make some of those moves. I think you have to, what was the way you said it about SF, uh, SFB teams? You like, you got to take your shot. You've got to make a high risk move at some point. And if you want to beat that many people or that higher level of competition, you've got to take a, a high risk shot at some point. Um, yeah, I took Will Fuller. He's my high risk yeah, shot. I kind of like that, but his ADP kind of takes like it's, it seems like less risk. I don't know where you took him though. Maybe you took him a lot higher than I those. got him wide receiver thirty four. He seems baked into his guard. So, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's baked in. <laughs> that's fine. That's I really good, think right? he has top twelve upside. I He's do too. Put on that list. He, that list that I made earlier. He's one one that would. Just seems gross. Yeah, so when you're making your team, you want a mix of like high risk guys like that and then solid guys. So I have Golden Tate on that same team. He's not sexy, but he could probably have 70, 80 catches, you know? So I try to balance some of that stuff. And I actually drafted Randall Cobb on that team because I think he could lead Houston in receptions if some of those guys go down, if Cooks get hurt, you know? Um, Again, he's a guy that shows up on, he's had two top 24 seasons. He shows up on mm-hmm. my list, you know, yeah, and so does Golden Tate, you know, like, uh, anyway, we're, we're getting off topic and I need to, you know, it might up, have something so. to do with Aaron Rodgers not having another top 24 wide receiver since Randall Cobb has left just, just to throw some shit. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I do kind of want to circle back around cause I'm aware that you can't talk to me forever. You probably have a life and stuff, but, um, you said you avoid rookies, which is something I know that you do, and it's solid strategy, but you do it at running backs a lot stronger than I'd imagine as well. Like early running back production is the thing. So, yeah, what, what's, still, with, what's that about? Rookies, you still I, fade I rookies draft. even if they're running backs. That's weird. It's weird of you. I mean, I, I have Barkley <laughs> on a couple teams, but I did not draft him as a rookie in redraft because I've, I've just been burned too many times. So, like all this Clyde Edwards, I won't own Clyde Edwards this year. Um, I think he's got at this point ceiling. that seems fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's going. He went one one in one draft in the FFPC, which is crazy. He's not Christian McCaffrey. Come on now, you know. Right. Like he's still he's on a team that he shares targets with Kelsey Hill and Watkins and Hardman. He's not going to get seventy plus receptions. You know, like like some of those other running backs look I, he's got the touchdown potential there 100 percent. i just think he'll end up being like a 12 to 1500 yard guy you know I maybe think, 50 catches 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire isn't isn't the, isn't the guy that right now his ADP has gone crazy. Like I just, I completely agree at this point. I got him I, in the SFB, but it was because it was yeah. before that happened, frankly. And even then, people were like, "That's a little high," and I got him in the, at the end of the the start of the third. You know, got him in the start of the third it's round. Scott Fish. Yeah, and people were like, "Man, that's crazy man. high." And I was yeah. like, "Okay, like I got to take my shot." Um, and now I wish we could trade in Scott Fishbowl, frankly. <laughs> but we can't. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, JT Camakers, um, JK Dobbins, and I don't know as much about DeAndre Swift, if I'm going to be honest. He's just, I, I agree, I tend to agree with people that have put more effort in and think see him in that category. But, like, these three running backs, especially, seem like the only problem on their profile is that they went to a a place where another running back we like exists. We normally talk about it happening too many times, get hurt when we continue to believe in the running back we like that was on the depth chart already. We get Trey Mason. That's that's what happens more often than not. And if I and I can find no flaw in the JT Camakers, JK Dobbins, or Swift um profiles. Like they look like really good running backs in college who are drafted highly to teams that use running backs fairly well for as much as teams can control it so why not those guys they're going a lot lower than Clyde Edwards Hilaire why wouldn't we expect them to do it the first year when most running backs do it really early I'll draft those guys in fact I have Swift on my Scott Fishbowl team because I got him pretty late Um, I just don't do it early I don't want to spend a top you know third through fourth round pick on a rookie just just risk averse it's just me you know I had the chance to pick Clyde Edwards Hilaire and I passed. So I don't blame you for doing it and it's probably gonna work no, out. No, it's really fine. Well. Yeah. I just hopefully. You know, there's <laughs> been twenty one rookies to finish top twelve since two thousand. That's it. And a lot of those guys, you know, a lot of high draft picks were busts as rookies. They just didn't work out. Good players, you know. Um Melvin Gordon was terrible as a rookie. He was pretty solid after that. Um they they're not all Ezekiel, you know, or Barkley. So just, just my thing. I, I go zero rookie. Doesn't mean you don't take rookies. You just don't take them early. Is my now you heard it here so. first. J- Jacob Brickroad hates Cam Akers. He hate no, <laughs> no. I really appreciate the take, and that's just you can't force. No, I, I totally to make stupid statements. Unfortunately, like <laughs> six, seventh um, round or later, take them. You know all about it. All right. Um. I do want to say this is the first time we've had a Jake on the show since my Jake left because I just realized you call yourself Jake because that's the name you wrote under your little uh, tag here for the screen. I I yeah. I think of you as Jacob Brickroad. You're Jacob to me. Jake but literally, my name. It sounds smarter than Jake. <laughs> it is nice to have a Jake back on the show, and I really appreciate you coming on, man. I really enjoyed talking to you, um, and yeah, I just appreciate it greatly, despite the fact that you hate all rookies and running backs. Um, <laughs> Can we find your content anywhere? I know you've wrote the articles you wrote for Rotoviz were like amazing to read. They're they're solid foundational stuff. I'd recommend anyone to read, but I don't know that you write or produce content anywhere much anymore. I, I have not wrote since last year. Um with COVID, my job and personal life just got a little crazy. So I, I didn't have the time. This might be the only podcast I do this year too. So can't thank you enough for having me on, man. And it's been great to talk to you. We've been in the league for two or three years now. And um, we've talked about doing this, but never have. And, and interact. I interact with you as much as probably anybody on Twitter. So 
That's it's because I Twitter stalk you. That's that's why. <laughs> yeah, it, means, it goes both ways because I'm I'm tweeting your stuff too. So it's no, cool, I, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I just took the year off. Um, I think I picked a good year to do it with everything going down. Yeah, right. And um, this is the year to do I, it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be back. All all of my contents on Rotoviz. I think you can still find it on there. It's oh, it's still on there. Yeah. Pass. Yeah. I go back so, to read it occasionally. Um, but, <laughs> You know, I, I usually tweet out my charts so people can get free stuff there. I'm not selling anything, you know, just, and I'll do that after the show. I'll, I'll, I'll send out some of these charts. Seriously, it's amazing to get to talk to you finally. I know our schedules have never worked out, but like, it's been great. Uh, thanks very much. I enjoyed it a lot. You can find Jake, Jake, you can find Jake, uh, not just Jacob Rickera, but Jake, I just learned. And sorry, that's blown my mind a little bit more than it should, but you can find him on Twitter at Clutch Fantasy. Um, and I definitely recommend it. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you again next week. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical.